let's go to work. As barbers, we cut hair and fade all day. This podcast goes beyond the barber's chair and is about the rest of our story. Positioning ourselves for success, avoiding costly mistakes, and continuing to grow and thrive as barbers for years to come. Join us as we look at the whole world of barbering and go beyond the barber's chair. I'm very excited about today's episode. It seems like I'm always seeing barbers asking questions about carrying our tools with us when we fly. When we're carrying a few thousand dollars of our equipment, most of us want to have it under our own own control and not in the hands of strangers. My guest is Eric Guthier, the Director of Uniform Services at the TSA. I had the chance to ask him the questions we all want to ask. I was surprised and happy with his answers, and I believe you will be too. I'm going to get out of the way and go straight to the interview. Eric, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you. I know you're real busy, especially this being Thanksgiving week. I know you're going to be kind of slammed, so I appreciate you getting, getting some time for us here. Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. Excellent. So I kind of want to just kind of start from the beginning where why I wanted to speak with someone specifically from TS. There's a lot of partners who do a lot of traveling. You know, sometimes we're going visiting families, sometimes out shopping. A lot of times we're going to barber shows or hair shows and people are buying equipment, things like that. And uh, one thing I noticed about a lot of us barbers is we tend to, we tend to travel light. Uh, a lot of the guys who I know, they just tend to travel light. Some people take their whole station. I guess people from the cosmetology field, they, they'll take a whole lot of stuff with them. You know, they're carrying color and things like that. So, you know, obviously they're going to have a bag which you're checking in. But a lot of us barbers, you know, we, we'll put everything on a backpack and just go. Or, you know, just take on a, a personal bag or something like that. So I participate in several different discussions and uh, there are people who ask questions, Hey, what can I take? Can I take this with me? Or am I going to get stopped, you know, through the security gates or something like that? If I'm having a pair of scissors with me or something like that. And the answers that I see come out, they are all over the place. I heard someone say, oh, yeah, 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 they are going to take your stuff and throw it away right then and there, and then you, you lost it. Don't even try. Go ahead and mail that stuff. Then you have others. Well, you know, I know a guy who took it over here. Well, my pair of scissors is only this big, or I got clippers, or, yeah, hey, you can take anything you want to, but don't take razors. And the, the, the answer is very, so you can see a lot of confusion come by. And so I wanted to... As opposed to just sending to a link, hey, go go look over here online, because even even then it can be confusing. I, I wanted to talk with someone from TSA specifically, so I can find out the thou shalt, thou shalt not, so what you can, what you can't do. So I, I guess I want to start off uh, with the, what what exactly is what's what is TSA? What's the purpose you serve? I mean, I, I know it should be general knowledge. But how would you how do you describe it to the barbers who look at you know the TSA as them as opposed to just any of us? Well, we're there. Our, our purpose is to make sure everybody who's flying, the crew, the passengers, the cargo. This is specifically for air travel because TSA is is responsible for more than just air travel. But we're to make we're there to make sure everybody is safe. Everybody gets to where they're going at the end of the day safely. One thing I'll say before we get started is I know you'll get into more specific items is you mentioned somebody saying that TSA will take it and, and throw away right there. We don't take anything from anybody and just throw it away. If something that we discover is unable to go on board a passenger aircraft, there's always going to be options for that passenger 
to do something with that item. The most common is they can take it out, they can put it in their car, they could leave it with a passenger who's not traveling, they can mail it to their destination in some of the larger airports, that's an option. They can choose to abandon it, and that is where the disconnect sometimes comes in is that we took it and throw it away. If someone chooses to abandon it because it's not allowed to go to the sterile area, we will dispose of it for them. But they're choosing to essentially leave it at the checkpoint and then we take care of it. So there's options. Just because something can't go, it doesn't mean there's there's no recourse and that it's just going to get trashed. That That's a pretty common myth that we hear. If you have a person, they say, well, I'd like to go ahead and send it. What happens at that point? Do they, do they just kind of walk through to the back of the line, give it to the person and get back in line, go through the whole process or? So if, if you happen to be in an airport and it's usually the larger ones, but I have seen it at some smaller ones too, that has a facility that can mail your item either back to your house or to your final destination. What would happen is the officer who's doing your bag search would repack your bag with the item out and then keeping control of the item will walk you back out of the sterile area. So down the, down the designated exit lane, give the item back to the passenger and then the passenger can do with it what they wish. And then once that's completed, what, whatever that may be, then they would just come back through the security line. But there's, there's not a situation where the airports aren't really set up to where we're going to give you the item and then let you go take care of it yourself in the sterile area. Cause that kind of defeats the whole purpose. That makes sense. So they, they don't necessarily lose it, but they'll need to go through the line again, if I'm understanding that properly. Most places, if, if the line is small enough to where it's manageable, depending on circumstances, that person may be allowed to come back up towards the front of the line just because they already went through it once. But that's that's by no means indicative that's going to be the case everywhere. So that shouldn't be expected, but it's not it's not terribly uncommon. That makes sense. And you guys are taking care of a whole lot of things there as it is. Y'all are kind of busy. I think I think everyone understands things happen. <laughs> so, That's right. Yeah, I mean, the, the vast majority of items that aren't able to come through the security checkpoint, there's there's very, very rarely any ill intent. We, we understand that. But we have to be there for that unusual case where maybe someone someone does have ill intent. Sure. You know, if someone's trying to pack, send 20 packets of peanut butter through there, then they're not having an ill intent. <laughs> no, no. I understand people like peanut butter. But yes, that's it's funny that that a couple, I think it was a couple months ago, that became a hot topic on the internet as to whether whether <laughs> peanut butter was a liquid or a gel, which it is. Don't don't bring your peanut butter larger than 3.4 ounces in the check. <laughs> so I didn't even know that was a thing. That's how big the internet is. I actually took that for a friend's story months ago. They were flying, they're going overseas to Europe and they wanted to pack their own, you know, pack some food. So they're not having to buy it on the plane. And the question was, can I take that much? And so they're literally going on the website and trying to figure mm-hmm. things out. Okay. What is what is not? Oh, it was pretty funny. It's way more common than you think for, like you said, two reasons, either someone's traveling somewhere like overseas and they want to have what's familiar to them. Or they're traveling overseas and maybe they're from there and they like what they can get here and they want to have it at home. And, you know, weight limits on checked bags, you may have to pull something out and a big jar of peanut butter, you know, isn't insignificant in its weight and it makes its way into your carry-on and there you go. True. It is not light, that's for sure. Before I start asking about the specifics, can we go over some just basic general guidelines as if we were explaining it to a third grader? One of my mentors I had, she was a kindergarten teacher. One of the reasons for her success was that she was able to describe things as if she's talking to an eight-year-old. She can put it in very simple terms so that it's easier to understand. 
Yeah, is there a way that you can describe the general guidelines for what can and cannot go through TSA? Sure, and I'll tailor it as best I can to the barber profession. To start off, no, no knives. That's probably the most common thing. But aside from the liquids, gels, and aerosols that we see abandoned at the checkpoints is, is blades. The one exception or, or one of the exceptions that is of interest to barbers would be the scissors. Scissors for barber or scissors for anybody, really. The limitation on those is the, the point of the scissors, the, the pivot point, you know, where, where they pivot when they open and close. From that point to the end, to the tip, has to be four inches or less. That's the limit. Now, I understand from the little bit of research I did ahead of time that that's a pretty good sized pair of scissors as far as cutting hair. I don't know if there's too many out there that are larger than that, but that's that's the that's the point to where they wouldn't be able to go through. As far as clippers, electric clippers, those are, I mean, there, there may be one that I'm not familiar with, but electric clippers are generally fine to take in your carry-on. And, and all of the things that I've mentioned are fine in your check bag as well. Some people don't want the aggravation of trying to remember what is and isn't allowed, and they'll put it in their check bag. As far as the liquids, gels, and aerosols that I mentioned, we, we use LGAs for those for shorthand. Um, the, the prohibition on those is if you can pump it, spray it, pour it, spread it, things like that. It has to be less than 3.4 ounces per container, and then all of those containers need to fit inside a quart-sized clear bag, like Ziploc bag, to use a brand name. One quart-sized Ziploc bag. One. That, that's, a, that's a big one. We've, we see people who will come in with, they'll have their one, and then they'll have their second, and their third, and their fourth, and their fifth, and all of a sudden, you're up to a gallon-sized freezer bag, and that's, and that's too much. Then that person would need to start making some decisions as to which they want to, as we talked about before, either leave behind or go put in the check bag or leave with a friend. With what you're talking about, the shares that we use, that might actually cover most of them. That's complete news to me. I thought the entire thing had to be less than four inches. I can't think of any real barber blades which are less than four inches. My smallest one is four and a half from from end to end. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's from that that pivot point in the middle. If, from there to the tip, it needs to be uh, less than four inches. And I will say, I'll throw this in there. It, it kind of helps the officers and it helps the passengers as well. I have a sister who's who's a hairstylist, and I, before she was, I had no idea how expensive that, that equipment was and how expensive it was to get sharpened. If and you're going through the checkpoint, and we have to check the length on those, because I will say, even though I think you and I mentioned ahead of time, or we talked about before, three and a half inches, I think you said was your longest from that point. You may know, or the passenger may know that it's three and a half, but on the x-ray screen that we view, we can't tell how long they are. So we may do a bag search if you leave it in your bag and we can't tell by looking at the little x-ray image how long they are. If they're a real expensive pair of scissors or we need to be careful with them, we, we would really appreciate the, the passenger telling us like, hey, you know, that's expensive equipment and, and we'll make sure to take care because the, the, the general scissors that we see most of the time are your household scissors. And so we, we treat those accordingly. But, you know, if we're getting into thousand dollar scissors, it helps us. It helps the passenger. Just give us a heads up like, hey, that's that's, you know, haircutting equipment that's on the pricier side. And we'll, we'll be sure to take extra care with them. So we have a chance to, to tell the agent before the bag gets opened. Yeah. So what will happen is the, the bag will go in the x-ray. The x-ray operator makes the decision as to whether or not the bag is clear or if we need to take a closer look at something inside. And then you'll see the bag. If it's at a newer machine, it'll get automatically diverted to a roller where an officer will pick it up and take it to the table. We'll always try to identify who the bag owner is. We're not going to search the bag without the owner present. And then we'll ask a couple standard questions. Is there anything sharp, fragile, dangerous in the bag? 
that is where you would let us know. Yes, there is something sharp. It's my barbering scissors. They're they're quite expensive, you know, sharp and fragile. That is fantastic stuff for a barber to know. Talk to me about batteries, because a lot of our, a lot of the barbers were, were going around with cordless equipment now. And I have no idea what kind of battery there is. But I keep seeing these signs saying, no, this kind of battery, that kind of battery. Are, are these things that most barber equipment most barbers had to worry about or is this like a specialized battery of some sort as far as the batteries that get used in the barbering industry i'm not totally sure a lot of the a lot of the things you see have to do with lithium-ion batteries in your laptops and, and like make like cordless drills which you wouldn't be able to bring a drill on anyway the general rule of thumb with those is they, they need to be protected so if it's in a laptop you, you don't want to have your battery out of your laptop, just floating around in your bag with paper clips and things that, you know, they can touch the connections and things like that. I do have to be careful as far as the batteries go, because different airlines kind of have different takes on what batteries that they, they will allow to be transported. So I can't give a, a blanket. This type of battery will always be OK in all of these circumstances. So the best option there is to check with the airline. I do know that when you fly, you'll hear if, if a bag has to be gate checked, they will advise to take all your batteries, like your your laptop battery and any other spare batteries out of your bag before it goes underneath the plane. I know they don't like them there because every once in a while you'll see a story online of a battery shorted in a bag and in the cabin fills with smoke and you don't want that to be unattended. So if you're going to have a, ba a battery in a bag, it, it should be in your carry-on. But as far as a, a blanket, this will always be okay in all the circumstances. It's airline dependent. So that's something you want to check with your air carrier. Okay. But the general rule of thumb is if you are going to have a battery, it should either be in the device or it should be in a protective case. It shouldn't just be floating freely. Okay. And, you know, most of our cordless equipment, the, the battery's in there you know, yeah. for most of it. If it's self-contained, you're probably going to be fine. Okay. You'll, you definitely want to check. Okay. We have one manufacturer, I think it's Babyliss that does it, where they have a station, they have batteries, so they can switch them out. It's a unit that holds two batteries, I think it is, and then a, tr a piece of equipment. And the idea is they can switch the batteries around. Is it best to just keep those batteries inside that charger? That's probably going to, from how you're describing it, I would say it's probably going to need to stay in your carry-on. So if your bag has to get gate checked, the gate agent is going to say something to the effect of make sure you remove all your lithium-ion batteries. And I don't know what the battery is made of. Right. But the, just the battery needs to be protected, either in the device itself or in a protective case. Okay, that makes sense. And I don't really know what they're made of either, mostly because I really haven't paid very much attention to them. So if that makes me a bad barber, I guess I'm a bad barber. Yeah, as, as far as the security part, there's not there shouldn't be any issue having it go through security. But once you get to the other side, your different airlines are going to view it differently. Okay. So I want to go back and talk about the chemicals real quick here. You addressed the shears question and the clippers question quite clearly. And if I if I say it correctly, clippers, yeah, you're good. Scissors, as long as from the pivot to the tip to the point is not more than four inches, we're good. Right. And that handles, I think, the majority of shears that I see out there, period. My largest one is, I think, is a six and a half inch total. No, no, I'm sorry, eight and a half inch total length and it's got a little tang on the end of it so i would i would imagine that if i want to carry that baby through there i could of course measure that beforehand make sure so going to the chemicals our chemicals that we take or that we carry with us or use typically fall under disinfectants and skin care or skin prep 
those are the, the main things. Yeah, there's there's other stuff in the peripherals, but those are the main things. Are there any types of chemicals which, e even if we get them inside that small container, are there any any kind of chemicals which are absolute no-nos that I'll shot not take them through? That you would use in the barbering profession, the, the ones I would say, like the liquids, gels, and aerosols, the key to that is those are for toiletries. You're not going to be able to bring things like bleach, like insect repellent, not, not, not necessarily insect repellent, but like raid, disabling chemicals things like that. Alcohol, 140 proof and greater is prohibited either in your check bag and in your carry-on when you're drinking it, like drinking alcohol. So the disinfectant alcohol, there's different size limitations on that. And, and one thing I would say is, and this is a plug, this is a plug for everything on TSA's website, tsa.gov, there's a section called, what can I bring? And you can actually type in, like I just typed in scissors, for example. And it'll give you the checked baggage, yes, carry-on bags, yes, with special instructions, and it goes through everything I had just said. That's going to be your best bet because it, it's hard to give a generalized, yes, this will always be okay. No, this will never be okay. So that that feature on our website is really good. Also, we have different ways that people can get in touch with TSA that are all fairly new. The, the newest is the texting. You can actually text the word travel to ask TSA, which is 275 eight seven two and get an answer even as as close to travel as when you're standing in line so text travel to two seven five eight seven two and ask for to, to text with tsa text with tsa correct and there's also we're on facebook messenger b.com slash ask tsa and then on x formerly known as twitter at ask tsa those are all modes of communication we have that are dedicated to answering the types of questions we're talking. But the the overarching, to get back to your original question, the overarching what can and can't, toiletries are generally okay. They're just subject to that 3.4 ounce limit per container and then inside the, the quart size bag. Okay. When you get uh, into your like detergents, bleaches, raid, things like that, the disabling chemicals, poisonous things, that's going to be no in any amount. Okay. I'll ask two what ifs because we barbers are like that. That's all good. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Rather ask them here than at the gate, right? That's right. So my first what if or what about, I think that actually asking about this product will probably open the gate to answer about all the rest of them. There's a lot of barbers who like to work with 97% isopropyl alcohol. Are you uh, familiar what, with that? What, per, what percent was it? 97%. Not drinking alcohol. This is definitely not drinking. It works for a disinfectant, that sort of thing. That's yeah. questions here. So let's say I've got something 97% or whatever. I know that I can't take my big gallon of it, so I'm going to put it into a two-ounce spray bottle. Mm -hmm. It's clear liquid. That's all it is that's in that, that clear mm -hmm. liquid. What do I need to do to make sure that it's not going to trigger any, anything at security? So if, if, it's, if it's a liquid, you know what it is, and we don't. You're okay to put those in travel containers. Our equipment, and this is where I, I can't get into the capability detection, the capabilities of our equipment, but we have equipment that can screen for what's inside bottles that we can't look at it and tell it what it is. And then depending on what that machine says and then what our explosives experts say, if it goes to that, that's, it may or may not go. Okay. But we're always going to err on the side of caution. So knowing that you know, we have the different guidelines going into the flights. 
and that two two only three point two ounce limit for three, I'm sorry three point four three point four thank you so three point four ounce limit the, the easier way to remember that's one hundred milliliters that's, <laughs> okay. a, that's a much rounder number we're going to that metric system again I see that's where it came <laughs> from we used to we were three ounces and then the rest of the world went hundred milliliters so we had to bump it up by point four oh there we go. When you, hear, when you hear the original 311, it was three ounces, one one. And then international was 100 milliliters. And then we had to go, we had to do 3.4. <laughs> Gotta love math, man. <laughs> so, knowing this, a lot of us have, we buy our products in gallon sizes. And so, if we're going to carry, if we're going to travel them, obviously, we're not going to take like five gallons of stuff with us there. So, what will wind up happening is we'll pour like, say so are disinfecting alcohol or barbicide into travel size bottles is there anything that we need to do so we can say hey yeah that's that's my professional stuff that's my isopropyl alcohol which i'm taking with me so i can take care of customers and do the astringent effects and all the stuff to, to clean to cleanse the skin mm -hmm. is there anything we need to do on our end to make sure y'all know that's what it is so what i would do is it needs to fit inside if it fit inside your carry-on port size bag some x-ray machines don't require that those come out anymore. If it were me, I would still take it out because there's a chance it's going to get searched anyway. And this is where I can't get into the detection capabilities of our equipment. But if we have to take a second look at it, we have some equipment that can kind of adjudicate whether or not what's inside the unlabeled bottle can or can't go. And then if there's further questions, we have explosives experts that, that can look at the same thing. And if we're ever unsure, we're going to err on the side of caution. So, but, but more information is better. The more information you can give the officer or the passenger can give the officer about what's inside the container, the, the better, the, the more likely a good outcome is going to come for everybody. Okay. And I'm guessing that the 70% on the alcohol for drinking also applies to what we're bringing through as far as for astringents and disinfectants. So yeah, 70% alcohol and, and below is okay. In the checkpoint, it's still going to have to adhere to the 34 uh, ounce containers and inside the quart size bag, anything above 70% alcohol, which in, and if it's drinking, it's 140 proof. I would steer clear of that. Okay. Gotcha. So all, all those things that say like 97%, don't take that on the line. I, I would not know. I it's, it's going to lead to nothing but aggravation and, and uh, I would just steer clear of it. Okay. Makes sense there. All right, so I want to talk about like shaving creams and lotions, and I'm I'm not necessarily talking about like like the the pressurized cans. I'm not talking Barbasol here. I'm talking about some of the things that we use, some of the upper level creams and lotions that we use. I'm guessing if it could be pumped or like we we said earlier, if it could be pumped, squeezed, or spread, then that is okay to take through. Yeah. So the hair gels, the, the different hair products, skincare, that's all going to fall under toiletries. And that's the same. They're, they're okay to take, but in your, in your carry-on bags, they're going to follow the same liquids, gels, and aerosols rules of uh, 3.4 ounce containers all need to fit inside one, one quart size clear bag. In your check bags, that stuff is fine to carry. As far as the aerosols, it's, it's a little known restriction, but it is there. And it, it's rare to see. And in, in my 15 years, I've seen it twice is the aerosols have to total less than 70 total ounces. Wow. Okay. It's that's a lot. I'll I'll say that. I, like I said, I've only seen it twice, but it's a it's a lesser known one. Well, that's amazing. I, I think that covers a lot of the a lot of the questions that I had on it. Uh 
Now, as far as barbers, I think it. I think since we're talking with someone from the TSA, it makes perfect sense to say, "Hey, if you have an issue, don't go causing a scene and bowing up to the guy." <laughs> uh, the, <laughs> Uh, you'd be surprised. There are some part. Oh yeah, hey, hey, hey. Just, <laughs> I, I think it's important to point out we are talking about human beings who are doing their job just like it's our, be, you know, our job to do our things. You know, we don't want people playing with our razors. Well, the you know, we want they don't want people messing with their job either. Mm-hmm. I, I think that definitely de- deserves saying there. But if someone does have a legitimate issue with what's going on at the station, right? I mean, right there in real time. What is the proper thing for them to be able to do to get it addressed? So if there's an issue at the checkpoint, the the first thing you're going to want to do is to ask to speak to a supervisor. That supervisor is going to be able to handle the situation. But then if there's anything further that needs to happen, all of those contact methods that I talked about are a way that you can get in touch with TSA if you want to talk to somebody, not necessarily in the situation. Because if there's a situation, you're going to have the officer, you're going to have the supervisor, they're there locally. But if you want to talk to somebody that's removed, those contact information that I gave earlier is a way you can do that as well. Okay, that makes sense. Eric, one of the things I like to ask everyone is, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is important for barbers to know? As far as traveling through the airport, just, you know, a lot of times I hear from passengers and not necessarily barbers, but it goes for what we're talking about as well is that if, if a bag search is happening or we're looking inside someone's bag, it means that we automatically think that, you know, they have ill intent or they're up to no good or they have something that we think is dangerous. And that's almost always not the case. If we're looking in someone's bag, it's either because just by looking at the x-ray image, we can't tell what's in there or we can tell what's in there and it's, and it's not allowed to proceed through. So I would say going, the, the biggest thing that I would ask from everybody is going into a bag search. It's, we're, we're not going into it thinking that that somebody is dangerous. Uh, we're, we're generally d- doing a bag search because there's something that actually is not allowed to go through or because we just have to be clear on what we're seeing. Like I said, with one of the other topics, we're always going to err on the side of caution. And at the end of the day, our, our goal is a noble one. It's to keep everybody safe passengers, crew, everybody in the airport. And so it's, it's it's just about doing what needs to be done and trying to get everybody to where they want to go safe. So I guess going on, you know, through the customer experience, we know every now and then something's going to happen. We are, we're all people, someone's going to misconstrue something, or maybe someone actually is going over the line. What is the best way for someone who thinks that is happening or has happened to proceed and get it investigated and taken care of? So there's two parts to that answer. The first thing I'll say is, as I mentioned before, if there's an issue that needs to be addressed and the person is comfortable with it being addressed there, definitely ask to speak to a supervisor. I also understand that sometimes after the fact, somebody decides, you know what, I want to talk to somebody about what happened earlier. The best option for that person would be to go to tsa.gov. And then up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link for contact. And there's a lot of information there as far as different methods of, of contacting TSA to talk about a situation. The first thing that'll pop up is customer service, and there's all the different modes of contact that we have so that passengers can get in touch with us. Okay. And you, I kind of covered the information before, but we barbers, we are curious by nature. 
And if we want to know, hey, can I carry this in? You know, because we, we have all kinds of things. We're going to ask, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? This is going to be a two-part question. Uh, you mentioned there's a website where we can go in and we can ask those questions. And that's part one. Part two is, what if we get, what if we're looking for more specific information that the website is not giving us? I'm, I'm going to give you a perfect example here. Barbicide, it's, you know, it's one of those disinfectants that we have. Uh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure we can find the ingredients or something like that if we needed to. But what I'm picturing here is a, someone typing into the computer, can I carry my disinfectant with me? And then seeing information that says, says X, Y, Z. And then the curious one, well, what about this particular one? It could be any of them. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a way for them to get absolutely specific information on a specific product? I, 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 that's that's a two-part question. I'm just, I'm just going to sit back and let you answer that one there. So what I would do is there's the different modes of, of communication. We have Twitter at AskTSA. There's the text message that I talked about earlier, uh, texting travel to AskTSA. And then one thing that I've seen passengers do is, you know, a couple of days ahead of travel, a week ahead of travel, whenever, is I've seen people come to the airport and just, just ask to speak to an officer about whether or not something would be allowed to go through, depending on where you live and how hard it is to get to the airport and how busy they are. That may or may not be possible, but that's something I've seen throughout my career is someone will come into the airport and ask to talk to someone and say, hey, I'm not traveling today. I'm traveling two weeks from now, but I don't want this to be a problem day of travel. So I've seen people come to the airport and um, ask to talk to somebody and get their question answered that way. And that's that's usually like you're saying, drilling down to the very specific item that we may hardly ever see. And they are just looking to not have an issue the day of travel. So that's always an option. But definitely also go to tsa.gov, upper right-hand corner. There's a link that says, what can I bring? That is where you can search for any and all things. We don't have everything in the universe listed on there. But if it's something isn't listed, there's also information on all those different modes of communication to get a hold of us and ask your question. Excellent. I really like that texting travel to to ask TSA. That's a pretty cool option. I'm glad y'all yeah, have that installed now. It's fairly new in the last year, but it's proven to be very, very because nice. we see a lot of people doing it. Which when they're standing in line, and they're thinking, "I got a question. I, I'm in line for you know the next you know five minutes or so. Let me just get, text TSA real quick." And a lot of times they get an answer back before they even get up to have their ID checked. Eric, I know but, I know you got the uh, the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving travel rush going on here, so I, I really really do appreciate you taking the time during this time here. This has just been just absolutely fantastic. And Norway, this is where I ask people if they want to get in touch with you, how you do it. But you've kind of already given us the the rundown right there. I'm going to have everything on the website when you finish up here. I'm also going to try to put together some diagrams for the for the our scissors and shears length, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But from what I'm gathering, if the, if someone's got to ask a question, they can go to the website and click on Ask TSA, or they can go and and text travel to Ask TSA as well. So yeah, in the last in the last several years, we've we've really gone to great lengths to be as available as we can because we know. I mean, people get nervous about traveling. There's always lots of questions. We're trying to make it not as much of a mystery as people kind of, I think, feel that it is. So we're always going to be open and transparent, and we don't want to have any issues at the checkpoint. So the more information we can get out, the better. Awesome. Yep. Well, thanks again, Eric. I'm getting ready to go into the shop. I guess you got to get back to work, too. So I'll talk to you later. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Beyond the Barber's Chair. I put links for my guests and for anything we discussed in the description. 
I hope you got something great and that it helps you as a barber and in life. If you like the podcast, I hope that you will tell a friend about it and subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming shows. I'll see you next time as we go beyond the barber's chair.